John chapter number 14, beginning in verse number one this morning. John chapter number 14, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Verse number six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so this morning, as we jump into uh, the Word of God this morning, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Hope for Troubled Hearts. Hope for troubled hearts. And so let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless the message this morning. Father, we thank you so much uh, for a great time of singing so far, um, or, or really for that time of singing. And so we pray as we enter your word now, we pray you'd open hearts. We pray you'd be with me. Um, we pray you'd help me to get out of the way. Um, hide me behind thy cross. And uh, Holy Spirit, uh, take over. And um, Lord, use, uh, use your word and uh, speak to hearts in here today and uh, that we'd be able to leave out of here and say, God met with us. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name. I do pray. Amen. Well, I find myself uh, more and more lately preaching messages related to this. Preaching messages about hope, help, encouragement. As kind of as God led my heart to this passage, is kind of just thinking, what in the world? Like, what is going on? But then, you know, you turn on the news, you open social media, you read the newspaper, if you still read the newspaper, right? Um, and you find out that there is a great need for hope. There is a great need for encouragement. There is a great need uh, for those that need, uh, for, for those that think that they need help or that they're struggling, they're drowning. There is a great need for the spread of hope in America today. And I can't believe I'm still in 2021 having to say this word, but we know uh, one of the biggest issues is COVID. And, uh, you know, I, I had a talk with someone last year, you know, when our, when our church uh, went, um, when we started going online last year in, in, um, in March, I think it was March is when it hit. Uh, you know, some, I can't remember who this person is, but we were kind of talking and I was like, so how, how long do you think it's going to last? And, uh, you, know, we're, you know, we were both like bouncing ideas off each other. I was like, I think, give it until September. You know, he's like, yeah, September, maybe, maybe November. You know, by then, it'll all be over. And uh, it's a year later in September. And it's still going on. It's still back strong. There's a new uh, variants that they're, you know, talking about. You know, you have COVID, you know, alpha. You got delta and all these different things. And it's like, man, like, you know, in December... Yeah, there was the joke of, okay, well, when we get into 2021, we're forgetting 2020. 2020 does not exist. We're omitting 2020. But now, I'm making the motion to omit 2021 because for me, 2021 was worse. And uh, 2021 was the, was the year that I got it. And, um, you know, it, it was just not, 
you know, for me, this year has, has been worse than 2020. But it would be silly for me to get to December and be like, okay, so let's also omit 2021. So, okay, so now we're just, we're just omitting every year that comes by, right? And so you see how the times have certainly changed. It is really now the new normal that we live in. This is how life looks for us. And when you think about the fact that this is how life looks for us, that looks a little bleak. That can be very discouraging. That can be uh, very unhopeful. And so we can, um, in the midst of trying to find hope, that can trouble our hearts. And in the midst of trying to find hope, try and find hope in, in all sorts of different things. You know, I feel sorry for people that, that don't have the Bible because they, they try and find hope in, in a person or they try and find hope in, a, in, in a, uh, something that they can buy or something that they can get. But truly, Hope can only be found in the Word of God. And so I, I praise the Lord that we have a Bible, we have the Word of God that we can find hope in. And so the Bible today gives us a list of truths concerning hope for anyone that has a troubled heart. You see in verse number one, it's plain and simple, let not your heart be troubled. And so Jesus is, is Jesus talking and he's going to go on to tell his disciples um, how they can actually do that. Okay, or what that actually looks like. And so as we get into that a little bit later, let me, let me just talk to you for a second. Let me ask you this morning, as, as we think about the fact that, yes, there is cause for concern everywhere you look, there, can, there is cause for concern, um, but is that affecting you? Is your heart this morning troubled? Is my heart this morning troubled? Really do some deep reflecting and think about that. Because if so, hey, there's good news. Uh, there's a list here that we can look at um, concerning hope, and that will really put our heart at ease this morning. And so I'm very excited to jump into to this in a few moments. And so let's go ahead and talk about a few um, background things contextually. Let's try and figure out what's actually going on here before we get into that. In our passage this morning, we see Jesus comforting this group of disciples, um, really realizing that they have troubled hearts, right? We see that this is their condition. And for someone to say, hey, uh, let not your heart be troubled, surely that means that they can recognize that you have a troubled heart. And so that is the case with Jesus. Jesus, as he looked at the disciple, he realized that they had troubled hearts. And uh, the fact of the matter is they were troubled because of what he just told them. Let's go ahead and back up the verse or chapter number 13. And now we'll start in verse number 21. As Jesus is getting ready um, to go and to, uh, to, to, to make that walk uh, to Calvary, he's getting them ready. And in verse number 21, he says, uh, the Bible says, When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. The next verse, verse number 22, then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. And so we see it started there. We see that now as, as he begins to say stuff like this, that, wait, wait, one of us is going to betray you. Well, who is it? What's, what's going on? And then we see as, uh, you know, Peter, you know, Peter being the, the, the take charge guy there, uh, he, looks, he looks at a disciple whom Jesus loved, and he's like, hey, ask him. Like, what does he mean by that? Ask him. Right? And so we see that, uh, that, 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 uh, that talk there. Well, then... You go down to verse number 33, and Jesus says something else that kind of troubles them. The Bible says in verse number 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you, ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you. 
And so then he goes into, in verse number 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I hope, uh, as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. And so Peter's like, oh, no, 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 don't try and change the subject. Wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. And so in verse number 36, you see Peter, he's, oh, hold on, wait a minute. Lord, where are you going? Whither, whither goest thou? And Jesus answers him, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now. But thou shalt follow me afterwards. And so first of all, he's now telling them, one of you is going to betray me. Number two, I'm going to leave soon. And then for Peter... Worst of all, Peter then, in verse number 37, tries to be the big, you know, well, you know, Lord, why can't I follow, why can't I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And in verse number 38, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down my life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall, crow, shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. That's a lot, right? Uh, that is a lot to take in right there. And so... We see, humanistically, we can see how that, that can be cause for concern. We can see how that can, can, be, uh, that can cause a troubled heart because, um, you know, at this time, tension's building. Jesus is doing all these miracles now and uh, people are getting, he's making a lot of people mad. People are getting mad and uh, the disciples are with him and they're for the ride, but they're like, I don't care. As long as Jesus is here, we're good. But for Jesus to now say, oh yeah, I'm leaving, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I was fine with doing all this stuff while you were here, but if you're going to leave, you're leaving me to fend for myself, right? It's like, uh, it's like the two siblings. Um, I know I used to have this happen with me and my cousins a lot, um, but it's like, the, it's like the siblings that, you know, uh, you have one sibling that's, that's younger. They cling to mom and dad, and you have the other sibling, and so the younger sibling goes to the old sibling, and, and they maybe hit them or kick them, and the old sibling turns around, and then they run, and they hide behind mom and dad, you know, Right, and so uh, we see that that's, God, that's kind of that mentality you think of with the disciples with Jesus. And so obviously when, when mom and dad leaves and then the big, the big siblings like, now what? You know, where's all that hard mouth now? Where's all that bravery now? And so as, as the disciples think about that, that's kind of how their situation is looking, right? That's kind of how things are about to be for them. Their future looked uncertain. And so what they need was hope because in their minds there is no hope. And uh, we can certainly get like that, can't we? Uh, as we look at everything that surrounds us and all of the problems that's in the world today, we, if we look at it long enough and hard enough, uh, we can think there is no hope. But my friend, today there is hope. And uh, Jesus, Jesus, I'm glad that Jesus goes on to tell them, hey, uh, let not your heart be troubled, because after that, he's going to tell them how that, that can happen, right? And so when he says, let not your heart be troubled, we can interpret this as, hey, cheer up. Hey, don't worry. And uh, I'm glad that it didn't stop there. I'm glad that he goes on to talk about a few things um, that helps them um, to understand why they shouldn't be able to, why they shouldn't have to worry, why they, why they can have hope. And so he says here, Here's what you should meditate on. And so this morning, we're going to look at that. Here's what we, what we should meditate on this morning. If, if you've decided, you've thought to yourself, you know what, my heart is a little bit troubled. Um, and I'm not sure what it is, or maybe you are sure what it is. Let me tell you this morning, the Bible gives a list of truths concerning hope for anyone with a troubled heart. And so let's look at this. I trust you have your notes this morning. Uh, let me give you three eternal truths about hope this morning found in John chapter number 14. 
And so if you're taking notes, firstly, we see as Jesus uh, tells them, let not your heart be troubled in verse number one, he goes on to say, ye believe in God, believe also in me. We see, first of all, hope is found in a person. Hope this morning is found in a person. Now, I got to be careful how I say that. Because I don't want us to get confused to think that hope is found in our person. Hope is found in our spouse. Hope is found in our neighbor. Hope is found in our boss. And I'll tiptoe around this next one. Hope is found in a politician. It's not. Hope is only found in, let me correct that, one person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus looks at them, he says, hey, 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 you need hope. Here's where you'll find it. In me. He says, that word believe there means to trust. He says, now listen, trust me. You believe God, trust me. Cheer up, don't worry. And so we see that hope is found in a person. And he can say this. We know that Jesus can say this because he has a track record uh, for who he is. We know that he is God. We know that the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the, and the word was with God, sorry, and the word was God. And in verse number uh, 14, um, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld this glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And uh, Second Colossians, or Second Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2, verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so we know that Jesus Christ is God. Um, in Philippians chapter number 2, verse 5, uh, the Bible says, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of, van, of men, and being formed in, uh, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. And so we know that he is worthy of our trust this morning. We know that he is, he is that person. We know that he is worthy of our trust. And so because of who he is and because of what he does, because of what he has done, Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love towards us in that while we, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We know that because of what he has done, dying for us on the cross, he is worthy of our trust. The Bible says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so Jesus is worthy of our trust. But how do we do that? Well, we see there to believe in Jesus means that there must be a decision. There must be a decision. You see that as he looks at the disciples, he says, believe also in me. Decide to believe also in me. With everything that I've just told you, I understand that that will trouble your hearts. But you have to now decide if you're going to look at all of those problems, if you're going to look at all of those worries and let that kill you, or if you're going to just trust me for everything that's going on. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly right for us. In this world today, no matter what goes on, no matter what the situation that you may be facing right now, if you need hope, your first decision is to trust Jesus. You're, 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 you're really, uh, your only decision is to trust Jesus. 
there must be a decision to trust Jesus. And we like the verse, uh, Proverbs chapter number 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hey, he'll direct our path when we start trusting him. And so I, I like to think uh, that path won't lead you anywhere uh, that'll hurt you. Um, when I was uh, a teenager, I went to camp, and uh, this, is, uh, this is camp in the Bahamas, so this, this illustration might not necessarily click with you, but it clicked with me because I'm from the island. And so there was a preacher, uh, his name is Gary Hanna, and he preached, and he gave this illustration, and he said, here's what following Jesus is like. He says, when I was younger, my dad would take me snorkeling with him, and uh, he would always tell me, now, when we get in the reef, when we get really low and it's hard to see, I don't want your eyes anywhere except on me. So when we get down there, keep your eyes on me. And he said that was never a problem for him. He said he'd jump in, and when it came time, he could look at his dad, and his dad goes this way. His dad goes this way. And he said every time his dad went somewhere, he was going that way because he was going that place because he knew with absolute certainty his dad would never lead him somewhere that would harm him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's following Jesus. That is trusting Jesus this morning. And so we see that there must be that decision to trust. Trust him um, to know that everything is going to be okay. Because really that's why we worry. We worry because we have no idea what's going to happen. We, we worry because we don't know if everything's going to be okay. But we trust Jesus and we know that everything will be okay. We see that there must be a decision to trust. And then secondly, there must be a discipline. See, a discipline to what? To keep trusting. Because it's not that you trust him one time and then for the rest of your life. But for the rest of our lives, we must trust him every single day. This is, and uh, this, this is something that we need to every single day wake up and say, Lord, I trust you today. Lord, I trust you today. You want me to do it? I'll do it. I trust you today. It, it, it doesn't do us any good if uh, we trust Jesus this morning and then tomorrow we're worried again. But there must be a discipline to continue trusting him. This trusting is not a one-time event. And so we see, uh, this, we see this first truth. It's in Jesus. It's in a person that hope is found. We find that hope. Those that are hopeful. You ever seen someone that is just extremely joyful? And uh, we were talking about this in the walk yesterday. It's, it's like, you know, if someone is joyful and they have everything in the world to be joyful about, you think, eh, well, duh. Yeah, their life's, their life's going great. They're on the mountaintop. Their life's going great. But when you see someone that is in the deep valley that is joyful, that's when you're like, what is going on? Well, that's the person that's trusting in Jesus. That's the person that has their eyes on Jesus no matter where Jesus goes. That's the person that has decided and that is the person that keeps deciding. That's the person that has that discipline. And so because of who he is and what he's done, there must be that decision to trust him. And he's calling for the disciples to do that, but most importantly, he's calling for us as disciples to do that as well. There must be that decision to trust him and to keep trusting him. And so the question is, are we trusting him this morning? For whatever your circumstance might be inside, inside your life, are you trusting him this morning to help you and to comfort you? Because if not, you're not going to find it anywhere else. I'm sorry you won't. That hope comes from a person. The only person, his name is Jesus Christ. But that hope, uh, secondly, after you start trusting in Jesus, you, you also find out that that hope is found in a place. 
So Jesus, he goes on, he tells the disciple, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. He says, it starts with me. But let me tell you something else. Get your mind on this fact. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And so he's, he's getting them now off of whatever the circumstances may be. And he says, hey, just look up. Hope is found in a place. That place is called heaven. And so Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that when things get rough, remember, friend, this world's not your home. You're just passing through. And so remember, and that's why he said things like, hey, seek ye first kingdom of God. Hey, uh, that's, that's, that's why we've, we've heard in the Bible, set your affections on things above. Because if we would just continuously look down here as if we lived here, as if this is all that we have and this is, and this is it forever, we'd get stressed out for sure. But when you realize, hey, I'm about to leave, man. When you realize, hey, this is not the, this is not the end game for me. Hey, there, there is another place that I'm going. Hey, there is hope in a place. And so this world is not our home. And this place, how, how do we describe this place? Well, Jesus says a few words here that kind of triggers how we can describe this place. We see, first of all, he says, in my father's house are. This place is a present place. This, this, this place is not a place that uh, is going to open when we die. This place is not a place that's going to just appear when we die. This place is not a place that doesn't exist right now. This is a present place. And so he, he lets his disciples know, in my father's house right now are many mansions. And so we see this, this is a present place. Not a future, but a present place. You think about it. When Jesus uh, was on the cross, you had the two other malefactors there. When he was on the cross, in Luke chapter number 23, we see the thief on the cross. He looks at Jesus, and he says unto Jesus, Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. He looks at Jesus, and he says, hey, when you, you, I, I, believe you're the, I believe you're that guy. When thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. You remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He doesn't say in a few years. He doesn't say eventually. Today, which is also scary because also speaking to the fact that, yeah, we're about to die right now, right? But today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so we see that this place is a present place. And so if we were to die right now, we would be at this place. That, that, that is our home. It's like, you know, it's like if you, if you live in an apartment and you're waiting for your house to build. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But if you live in an apartment and the house is already built and you can move in tomorrow, it's like just the, just, just the fact of knowing that you can move in tomorrow is a little exciting. Just the fact that you can go to this, this home is a little bit exciting. Well, this place that we call heaven is a present place. And so he's getting them to understand that. And the next word he says, in my father's house are many mansions. Speaking to the fact, and this is not in your notes, but speaking to the fact that heaven is a prepared place. Prepared in the sense that there is always room. If you're not saved today, there's always room. If you're not saved today, those, one of those mansions can be yours. And so this, this place is a prepared place 
place. The heaven's gates are always open and ready to receive more. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, so if you're not saved this morning, uh, you, uh, you can have a place prepared for you. And so the heaven is a prepared place, but heaven is also a perfect place. Because you see, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, why did he use the word mansion? Why didn't he just say house? Why didn't he just say home? Why didn't he just say dwelling place? Why, out of all the words, did he say mansion? Speaking to the fact that in our, in, 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 well, depending on who you, who you ask, I know for me, and maybe that makes me shallow, but for me, the perfect home is a mansion. The perfect, the perfect place to live is a mansion. If I told you, hey, everything you could ever dream of is in my house right now. Everything you could ever dream of, I have space for everything you can ever dream of. And I, you jumped in my car, I took you to, to my place, and you saw this small little house. You would look at me and you'd say, what? But speaking to the fact that as a mansion, it's a perfect place. Now, some of you ladies are looking at me hard, and I understand. If, if you live in a mansion, it might, not be, it might not be perfect for you, because if you live in a mansion, you have to clean a mansion. I get it. I get it, right? I get it. Yeah, I get that. But it, for, for most people, a mansion's perfect. Well, heaven will be perfect. And so that's a kickstarter for us, that we see that heaven is a perfect place. I love to, I love to think that there will be no sorrow there. Not that I love to think about it, but the Bible said there will be no sorrow there. The Bible says uh, in Revelation 21, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are past. This is a perfect place. Mentally, perfect place. Physically, perfect place. You see, you go, you go on in verse number 21, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. Whoa. As it were, transparent glass. Double woe. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Whoa. And the city had no need of a sun, neither of, a, of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the, la the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. No night. Did you get that? There shall be no nights, and if it's never shut during the day, then that means it's never shut. That means heaven's gates are always open. Praise the Lord. And so we see really uh, mentally for us, if there's no sorrow, no pain, no worry, no death, mentally this is the perfect place. But even physically, how would you like to live in streets of gold? How would you like to live in a mansion behind the gates that never closes? We see this is a, this is a, a perfect place. And so Jesus, he's, he's getting the disciples to try and, and get this in their minds. Hey, this world's not your home. Your home's in heaven. Your home is, is, is a present place. It's, it's here. It's, it's, it's available right now. If you died right now, it's there. Hey, your, your home is a prepared place. It's, 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 always, it's always available. Your home is a perfect place. 
There will be no sorrow there. There will be no worrying there. There will be no crying there. But it's a perfect place. Are your eyes fixed on that place this morning? We don't, we don't normally think about heaven until, uh, unless someone's getting saved or uh, someone passes away. That's when we start thinking about heaven, right? But really, if we would think about heaven each and every day, kind of give us a different outlook on life. Kind of, kind of help us with a lot of things, realizing that this world is not our home and we're just passing through. Isn't that what we sing? Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, right? Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we sing? And so, are our eyes fixed on heaven? Are we longing for heaven or are we caught up on earth? Are we caught up down here or are we caught up up there? And so we see that hope, this hope that Jesus is offering to these disciples. He's getting them to get their minds and, hey, saying, believe in me, hope in a person. Hey, hey, look, there's, there are many mansions in my father's house. There's hope in a place. But thirdly, and lastly this morning, hope is found in a promise. Hope is found in a promise. At the end of verse number two, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in verse number three, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Hope is found in this promise. And this promise is really threefold. Because here's what he says. Number one, Jesus promises to reserve. He promises to reserve a place for us. Isn't that what he said at the end of verse number two? If, you, if you're saved this morning, if you're on your way to heaven, there is a place for you. He promises to reserve. Reserve a place for us. The Bible says, Blessed be the, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, uh, mercy sorry, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. But if you're saved this morning, your mansion is reserved. He promises to prepare a place for you. He promises to reserve a place for you. And then we see he also promises to return. He promises to reserve, but he also promises to return. He says in verse number three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. You don't have to go and try and find this heaven place by yourself. You don't have to try and figure out the directions to heaven. I'm going to come get you. I will come again. And we know that Jesus is coming again. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus promises to return for us. Uh, John in, in, in Revelation, he says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. But look at what he says now. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so. Amen. And so when Jesus comes back, if you're saved in here this morning, He's coming again. He's coming back. And guess what he's coming back for? He's coming back for us. He promises, number three, to receive us. He promises to receive us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you 
unto myself. Yeah, here's, the, here's what's sad about that. Jesus is coming again, but not everyone is going to go with him. Not everyone is going to go back with him. And so Jesus promises to receive us. He says, and receive you unto myself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Is, uh, 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. And so he promises to receive us unto himself. And so if you're, if you're troubled this morning, trust Jesus. Make that decision to trust him. Have the discipline to do so every single day, right? Uh, know that this is not your home, so don't get too bogged down with this, this place, this earthly place. But remember, you're just passing through. All right, don't get caught up in, someone's el in someone else's house. This is not your home, right? Um, but you're just passing through. And then remember that you're not going to have to go and find that home by yourself. That he is coming again. You will be with him for the, for, forever and ever, right? And so are we finding hope in the promise of God this morning? In that threefold promise, are we finding hope in that? Are you excited that Jesus Christ is coming again? Are you excited that Jesus Christ is coming again? Amen. Okay. Right? And so that is what we should be. As, 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 as Jesus looks at these disciples, he says, I know. I know. That was, I, I slapped a lot on you. I know that's a lot to, to get worried about. But you know what? Be comforted. I'm here. Believe in me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Right? Get your eyes off of this world and think about heaven. And just trust me. I'm coming back for you. Man, isn't that comforting, right? And so if we would believe in a person, his name's Jesus Christ, if we would long for this place of heaven, and if we would cling to the promise that he is coming back, hey, guess what? We'll get our minds off of things that, is temp that, that are temporal, and we start to thinking about things that are eternal, and there, that, ladies and gentlemen, is hope. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what hope looks like. And so, you see, as Jesus finished talking about this in verse number four, he says, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. So Thomas, you know, poor Thomas, he has to be this guy. But Thomas, in verse number five, then says, Lord, we know not the way thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thomas says, well, Lord, we don't, what are you talking about? We, and and this, is, this honestly is probably really frustrating for Jesus because he's told them stuff like this over and over and over again. And so for Thomas to say something like this, you know, it's, it's kind of like, bro, like, like we've, we've been talking about this. Like, come on, man. And so as, as Jesus just, you know, saith unto him, hey, listen, you know, because here's, here's, here's the thing. If you want to know the way, I am the way. If you want to know what is true, I am the truth. If you, hey, you want to know what is life? I'm the life. And so Jesus, he points to the fact that, hey, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He doesn't say that I'll show you the way. He says, no, no, no. You know me, you automatically know the way. He says, hey, I'll, he doesn't say, hey, I'll show you what is true. And no, no, no. You know me, you know what is true. You don't have to second guess it. I am the truth. 
You don't, we don't have to say, okay, what does life look like? No, no, no. You know me. And trust me. Trust me. You'll know life. Because Jesus, as the way, is someone that we can follow. Jesus is someone that we need to follow. Jesus, as the truth, is someone that we can trust. He's someone that we need to trust. And Jesus, as the life, is someone that we can experience. He's someone that we can experience that when we follow him, we know that we are going to get a taste of what godly living looks like and how God designed us to live. We'll get an experience of what life truly is. And so this morning, ask yourself, is your heart troubled? If it is, let me invite you this morning, take care of that. Trust in a person. Trust in the name of Jesus Christ. Decide to do so and keep doing it. Trust him today. You know, we, we come to church on Sunday and we get down to an altar or maybe we get down in our seats and we, Lord, I trust you and uh, everything is good. We go home and we're feeling good about ourselves. And then tomorrow, the same problems that we just talked about on Sunday morning arise in our lives. And it's like we, we didn't just hear a message, right? But let us, let's, if, if that's you, write it down, you know, uh, make, it, make it a background on your phone or something. But remember to trust in Christ each and every day. Remember that, hey, listen, this is not your home. Don't get worried about someone else's house. And that's, that's just weird to think about, right? You go over to someone else's house and things start getting chaotic and then you start getting worried. You start, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to clean it? How am I going to do this? And the person looking at you, you don't live here, bro. What are you talking about? Right? That's, that's us. Why are we getting caught up with this world if, if this is not our home? Now, yes, we're trying to do a good job as we live for, for Jesus to, to spread the gospel, to shed the light of, of, of God to other people. And so we need to be good stewards of, of the life that God has called us to live. Yes. But we shouldn't get caught up in it. We shouldn't get caught up with, with, with the things that the world is, is trying to portray. Right. And then cling to that promise. Remember that he's coming again. Are you prepared for Jesus to come tomorrow? I'm prepared. I mean, I, I was thinking about this last night, and now it's just like, now I'll be honest. Last night when that thought hit me, I was like, man, Jesus really could come tomorrow. Lord, <laughs> right? And it's like, man, like, okay, get your affairs in order. But praise the Lord that that can happen. Praise the Lord that not even maybe tomorrow, but tonight he'd come. Are you prepared for that? If you say no, hey, get, get ready, right? Uh, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming again. And so that should be enough, ladies and gentlemen. That list right there, if we get down, if we get worried, if we get discouraged, that list right there should be enough for us to say, you know what? Forget everything that's happening in the world. There is a, there is a name. His name is Jesus that I can trust. Amen. That he says I shouldn't worry. So you know what? I'm not worrying. There is a place that I'm going to go that if, if I die right now, I'm going to go and it's going to be a perfect place. So you know what? Forget this world. And there is a promise that he's going to come back and that we're going to be with him forever and he's going to prepare a place for, whoo! Okay, mm. yeah, yeah, you get it? Yeah, right? Right? You, you feel that? That's hope, right? That is what hope feels like. And so this morning, if you are someone that say, you know what? I have been a little bit troubled. I, pr I hope that, <laughs> I hope, I hope that that helped you. I really do. I really hope that these lists would comfort you and that as we enter in the, the invitation this morning that you do business with God and that let God, let God comfort your heart with those truths.